It's February 6th. Greetings from the winter wonderland of New England. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. I count it a privilege to be reading from God's Word and that we are able to do this together. Today we'll be reading about the feast that God commanded His covenant people to celebrate. It is good to know that our God is a festive God. He enjoys celebrating with His people. Whenever we throw a party, people usually ask, Well, what's the occasion? Well, this is the point of the Feasts of the Lord. We're to know that they mark special occasions in the history of redemption. God, who knows the end from the beginning, wants us to know that He is active in human history, and human history will be intersected with key events in the history of His redemptive work. He wants the recognition of these events woven into the calendar year of Israel. And we will see as we get to the New Testament how these Old Testament feasts point to the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is our Passover lamb. He is the bread of life. He is the Lord of the harvest. He is the word made flesh who tabernacled among us. And he is the one who will return to tabernacle with us. So let's read from the book of Exodus chapter 23. Beginning with verse 14. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None of you shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest, of the firstfruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the fat of my feast remain until the morning. The best of the firstfruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Behold, I send an angel before you, to guard you on the way, and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him, and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you, until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, 
and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Chapter 24 Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel, who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, and ate, and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone, with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Chapter 25 The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, that they take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution from me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle, and for all its furniture, so you shall make it. They shall make an ark of acacia wood, 
Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, inside and outside shall you overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them on its four feet, two rings on the one side of it, and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark, to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work you shall make them, on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end, and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces one to another, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, and make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make a rim around it, a handbreadth wide, and a molding of gold around the rim. And you shall make for it four rings of gold, and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame the rings shall lie, as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold, and the tables shall be carried with these. And you shall make its plates and dishes for incense, and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work, its base, its stems, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. And there shall be six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it. Three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower, on one branch, and three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower, on the other branch. So for the six branches going out of the lampstand. And on the lampstand itself there shall be four cups made like almond blossoms, with their calyxes and flowers, and a calyx of one piece with it, under each pair of the six branches going out from the lampstand. Their calyxes and their branches shall be of one piece with it, the whole of it a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and the lamps shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. Its tongs and their trays shall be of pure gold. 
it shall be made with all these utensils out of a talent of pure gold. And see that you make them after the pattern for them which is being shown you on the mountain. In our Old Testament reading today, we are given a prophetic overview of the work of Christ, our Redeemer, in both the feasts and the tabernacle design. We will be learning more about this in future weeks. God commanded holidays as important community seasons of worship. The three seasonal harvests contained the seven major feasts. All of these have great prophetic meaning in the history of redemption, not only commemorating His mighty acts in the redemption of Israel, but also picturing the ultimate redemption of the world through the acts of the Messiah. Three times a year all the men were to appear before the Lord and celebrate God's redemptive history in Exodus chapter 23, verse 14. The first seasonal feast, Unleavened Bread, takes place in the early spring, in the months of Abib and Nisan. This feast was comprised of three feasts, commemorating the children of Israel being delivered from Egypt and the first fruit of the harvest. These events correspond with the first coming of the Messiah. Number one, the Lord's Passover, Pesach, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 5, beginning at twilight on the fourteenth day of the first month, the time of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, our Passover, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened, for Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Number two, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, Leviticus 23, verse 6. This begins on the fifteenth day of the first month. All leaven has been purged, that is, the corruption of sin has been put away through the substitutionary death of Christ, the last Adam, and unleavened bread is to be eaten in commemoration of the urgent and immediate need to take God's ordained escape route through repentance and faith in the bread of life. In John 14, verse 6, and John 6, verse 35, we are called to a life of consecration in which we keep the gospel feast. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Number 3, there's the Feast of Firstfruits. In Leviticus 23, verses 9 to 14. One sheaf, the first grain to appear from the barley harvest, is waved as a single representative of the harvest that will eventually be ingathered. It is accepted on your behalf. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead as the representative of a new man made up of both Jew and Gentile. He is accepted on our behalf. God's wisdom has made him, Jesus Christ, to be for us our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And then there are the second seasonal feasts, the feasts of the harvest. In Exodus 23, verse 16. So this is the fourth feast. The Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 to 22, also called the Feast of Pentecost. After the first sheaf is presented on behalf of all on the Feast of Firstfruits, seven weeks are counted off. On the fiftieth day after the Sabbath would be the seventh week after the resurrection and the day in which the Holy Spirit was given to bring the ingathering of the harvest, recorded in Acts 2. The two loaves speak of Jews and Gentiles. 
although still containing the leaven of sin, accepted in the sinless first fruit of the resurrection harvest, that is, in Christ. Then there is the third seasonal feast, the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, Exodus chapter 23, verse 16, the second half. And this is composed of the final three. The fifth feast, the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, Leviticus 23, verses 23 to 25. This was held on the first day of the seventh month, whereas the events surrounding the first coming of the Messiah were celebrated in the spring feasts. These events surrounding Christ's second coming are celebrated in the autumn feasts. Christ's return will be with the sound of the trumpet that will signal for our gathering together unto him in Matthew 24, verse 31 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Feast number six is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 20 to 32. This is the day when the people of Israel afflicted their souls with fasting, prayer, and confession of sin as their high priests made atonement on their behalf. Prophetically, a spirit of grace and supplication will be poured out on the house of David, and they will look on the one whom they have pierced. There will be great repentance and cleansing. In Zechariah chapter 12, verses 10 to chapter 13, verse 1. And the final feast, feast number 7, is the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 33 to 44. This feast reminded the Israelites of God blessing them as they tabernacled in the wilderness. They could look forward to permanently abiding in His presence. This prophetically pictures the future kingdom that God has prepared when Christ returns and is received as King of Kings. Gentiles will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles with the Israelites. And the tabernacle of God shall be with men. The rest of our Old Testament reading concerns the design for the tabernacle, and we will feature the meaning of this design in future episodes. Now let's read from the New Testament, chapter 24, verses 29 to 51. Jesus is continuing his discourse on the Mount of Olives. This is called the Olivet Discourse. And he speaks concerning the coming of the Son of Man, his second coming. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. 
so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household, to give him their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In our New Testament reading, Jesus speaks of the events that are prophesied in the autumn feasts, which we referred to in our Old Testament readings. The autumn feasts are concerned with the return of the Son of Man, when He returns as judge of all the nations. There will be the sounding of the trumpet and the ingathering of His elect, in Matthew 24, verse 31. Let's not forget what Jesus said about the timing of His return, lest we become presumptuous. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, in Matthew 24, verse 36. And let us not forget these words, lest we become careless. In verses 38 to 39, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In addition to giving us signs of His coming, Jesus also gives us some parables about His coming. The parables of Jesus have a twofold purpose. In Matthew 13, verses 10 to 17, some parables have the effect of bringing a judgment to those who have rejected truth, whose hearts have grown dull, who have closed their eyes and their ears. They go unexplained to the hearer. Other parables have the effect of bringing light on a vital spiritual truth to those who will listen with their hearts, their eyes, and their ears open to what is being taught. Learn the parable of the fig tree. Jesus explains it simply. Fig trees were common in the Middle East, and everyone looked forward to being able to harvest figs every summer from the trees in their yards. When a fig tree's branch is tender and it puts forth its leaves, you know that the harvesting of figs is just around the corner. In the Gospels, the harvest speaks of final judgment. John the Baptist speaks of Jesus coming as a judge. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. Jesus speaks of the separation of the wheat and tares in Matthew 13, verse 30. Allow both to grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus is answering the question regarding the timing of the end of the age with this parable. When you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. 
the Son of Man is returning as judge. Just as the budding leaves are a sign of the imminent harvest of figs, so the generation that sees all these things should recognize that the end of the age, the final judgment, is at hand. What things? All these things. Number one, the birth pangs. Number two, the abomination of desolation with the Antichrist standing in the holy place. Number three, the flight of those who are in Judea to the mountains. Number four, the disturbances in the heavens and the earth. In Matthew 24:34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Which generation? This generation that sees all these things. Recognize that the end of the age, the judgments at the return of Christ is imminent. The parables that follow in Matthew chapter 25 are about these judgments. Jesus gives a parable that reminds us of the danger of not living with an expectancy of his return. Each local assembly is like a household. God has put servants, spiritual leaders, in each household and given them the responsibility of feeding its members. They are responsible to the household members, and the household members are responsible to respect their God-given function. If the spiritual leader is obediently doing his job, when the Lord returns, he shall be rewarded. But if that leader is not doing his job when the Lord returns, he will be dealt with severely suffering loss at the judgment seat of Christ. The disobedient servant in the parable ceased to expect the Lord's return, mistreated his fellow servants, and lived like the world with little concern for spiritual realities. We are called to live in the light of the Lord's return and diligently attend to the ministries we have been given. Let's live a life that is pleasing to God with no regrets. Live each day as if it were the day of the Lord's return. And now a reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 30, verses 1 to 12. This is the Psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. And as we shall see, the temple is built in a similar pattern to the tabernacle with uh, the items that speak of the finished work of Jesus Christ. In verse 1, Psalm 30, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 30 is a great psalm of thanksgiving, reminding us of God's great work of deliverance in our lives that turned our weeping into rejoicing. We all want our lives to count, yet we are lost to that purpose apart from God's mercy and help. This song celebrates the fact that God hears our prayers 
provides deliverance from futility, from life in the pit, from self-pity and condemnation. He deals with us because He loves us and turns our mourning into dancing and gladness. The psalm begins and ends in the spirit of thanks living. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways, do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. This reading from Proverbs is a continuation of that sad story of someone who turns aside from God's wisdom and enters into temptation. And as this proverb makes plain, it leads to a descent into ruin and destruction. Notice that the author says, Now is the time to listen and to pay attention to the words of wisdom. We need to take a daily dose of God's preventive medicine. Let us pray. Father, you are the Lord of history, and pleasing you is the goal of history. Thank you for giving us the assurance of that goal fulfilled in Christ. You are faithful who have called us into a participation of your choice purposes in him. He is our Passover, our unleavened life, the first fruit promise of resurrection, the Lord of the harvest, the coming one, our atoning sacrifice, and the one who has pledged to tabernacle with us throughout the ages. Help us to be diligent in our service to your household with an eye to the return of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for dealing with us in our daily walk with the assurance that none of your promises will fail, that truly joy comes in the morning. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a blessing to spend time together in God's Word today, and I hope that this podcast continues to be an encouragement to you, helping you to stay at it, reading the Bible with daily doses of eternal truths. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 12, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within, so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. That's the J.B. Phillips paraphrase of the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't forget to subscribe to this one-year Bible tour guide podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as it will help you to be prompted whenever a new episode is ready. And you can always get a written copy by email by subscribing at our own website, newlife.org. My name is David McAdam, and you can contact me by email writing podcast at newlife.org. My email address is podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.